so we're on our um on our on the edge of our seats sort of looking looking around for it i get my machete out ready and we keep going in this undergrowth and then all of a sudden there's this whistle and this whistle goes and it's two i won't do it now but it's a two-tone whistle and it sounds sounds something out of horror movies it truly is makes you makes your hairs on the back of your neck stand up and the guys faces they all stay all pause and they all look at me and look look behind because it's it's coming from just on my right behind me and their color completely drains out of their faces and they look shell-shocked and I'm like what what was that whistle and then one of them goes Bushmaster Welcome back to When It Hits The Fan, the podcast that delves into what really happens when things go wrong on the road, brought to you by Battleface Travel Insurance. Now, if I say the word explorer to you, you probably picture a man in a pith helmet and a safari suit traipsing through the jungle during the Victorian era. But today's guest is about shattering those preconceptions. Lucy Shepherd certainly seems like an ordinary 29-year-old but she's carved out a career exploring some of the most formidable terrains on Earth. From the Arctic tundra to the jungles of Guyana, Lucy has embarked on a series of challenging expeditions to better understand the natural world and, of course, the people who live there. Lucy is a fellow of the Royal Geographical Society and at just 23 became the youngest ever elected council member of the Scientific Exploration Society. Of course, she has tons of stories from her time exploring uncharted corners of the world. And if you'd like to hear more about her, we're going to put some contact details in the description below. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, do that now because we've got some amazing guests coming up for future episodes. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, drop us a like or a positive review on whichever platform you're using. So there's nothing else for me to say. Let's hear from Lucy herself. Lucy, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I am uh, great, thank you. And I've, uh, I know from the last time we spoke by email that you've just returned from uh, Snowdonia where you were training. Uh, this is for the upcoming uh, Guyana expedition, is that right? Yeah, it's getting so close now. So in three weeks' time, just about three weeks, I'm off from definitely my biggest expedition yet um, in terms of size, like scale wise um ambition just it's yeah it's, it's a mammoth one this one how, how does that feel i mean is it a mixture of kind of excitement and also that slightly daunting feeling of, of you know this is the biggest thing you've done yeah i mean uh, anyone who goes on lots of expeditions will tell you that it's always it feels like an expedition just to get to this point like there's so much going on in your head all the time and really i just can't wait to get on that plane and be like Oh, okay, now the adventure starts. But um, no, it's 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 back in the jungle, and it's um it's a very long journey. It might I might be in the jungle for around two months, maybe more. Wow! Um, so it's uh, anyone who's been to the jungle can say that a day feels feels exhausting enough. But um, yeah, trekking that much in that terrain is, is going to be a hard one. But at the moment, I just just want to get there. <laughs> I can feel you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I understand it, in the, the incident that you're going to tell us about today was was also in Guyana, and this was uh, last year, this was 2020, is that right? Yeah, so I was lucky enough, just before coronavirus hit, I got out uh, for a jungle expedition. Um, to, I, you know, I, my background is actually more 
Arctic and mountains. And I've been to the jungle previously and thought, well, it's not not for me. I'll stick with the cold environments. But the the, the expedition in 2020 was my reason. My my goal was to go out there and not fight with the jungle and just get into the flow of it. Um, and I mean, it worked. I'm going back. <laughs> I'm going back, and I, I love it now. So, yeah, no, it was it was in a very similar area. The one last year that I'm going to um, in a couple of weeks' time. So, g- give us some context then. You know, where exactly in Guyana was this, and 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 who who were you with through, during this particular expedition? Yeah, so last year um, I was in the, I went to the Kanuki Mountains. Now the Kanuki Mountains is in kind of southern Guyana and the whole mountain stretched the entire, pretty much the entire span of the width of the country. Um, So from Suriname uh, to Brazil. Um, Last year I only had a sort of particular time, um, time frame and budget. So I wanted to cross these mountains uh, that had never been done before from south to north at the highest point of where where the range was at the highest. And um, the thing about the Kanukus is it's a protected area. So it's when things are protected, especially in, in that area, it's very, very hard to get permissions and permits to walk through different areas. You have to get um, permits from Amerindians, from uh, different protection agencies. But I managed to do it. And the goal was, yep, yeah, south to north, trekking by foot. And I I was meant to only take two Amerindians. That was, the, it was going to be a team of three, myself and two. But um, for other reasons I can't go into, there was a big kerfuffle when I got there and suddenly uh, there were six of us. Uh, so I, I took uh, five Amerindians, which wasn't a bad thing at all. It made it made for a very fun, dynamic and um, exciting experience of the whole adventure. So, yeah, myself, five Amerindians crossing south to north of the Kanukus, um last year. And how far into this particular expedition did you encounter, I guess, you know, sort of trouble or, or peril, however, however you want to describe it? It was smack bang in the middle of the mountains. So the furthest point from help, like that you could that you could possibly get like right in the middle where the canopy was the thickest, the, um, you know, the in-reach Garmin wasn't working properly, the sat phone, you know, you would have had to cut, a lot, cut down a lot of trees if you needed an evac. Um, so it was, yeah, it was not the best place to uh, to travel, stumble into trouble. <laughs> I mean, this is incredibly thick jungle. Um, you know, you, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of how you actually kind of get through that type of terrain? Yeah, so I mean, if, if you've ever looked, even just in a forest in the UK, if you ever look into a forest that's not on the track and you think you've just got to go that way, you you know it's going to be a hard hard trek through because you've got to I don't know bushwhack. In the jungle, it's obviously so much more dense. Um, there are vines and roots coming out from everywhere. There's razor grass coming from everywhere. The, everything's just fighting for light, light, isn't it? Um, and so if you're ever near a sort of tiny stream. Um, then everything is just trying to be there and trying to live. And so getting through this, because this is all by foot, is so hard. You take it in turns for someone to be the clipper. Um, so they, you, you don't take down big trees, you kind of wiggle, um, but you, you use your machete and you get through and you're with a big bag as well. You're sort of ducking and throwing. And I wear garden gloves um, because the amount of spines and spikes that are on these trees and the branches, it just is everywhere. Everything has a defense mechanism and um, it it takes a long time. So I'm not kidding. Um, you would be going for eight hours and sometimes only go a kilometer in a day. Wow. And 
you're, you're zigzagging but I mean as the crow flies a kilometer and it's it's so demoralizing if you start thinking about distance um so you don't think about distance you just gotta you just gotta keep flooding away and flooding away and on this particular moment I'm going to describe was one of the slowest and the most dense days that we'd we'd had on the trip and that we did have and of course, you know, you, you obviously the undergrowth, the the thorns, the, the difficulty of actually, you know, traversing this uh, particular terrain. Uh, but uh, you know, I think it's the it's the animals perhaps you encountered that uh, was was the, um, the the particular reason here that you, you had trouble. Do you want to do you want to tell us what happened? Yeah. So um, so as you go, we're going up and down. So it is a mountain range, but it's jungle jungle covered mountains. So we're going up and you're going down. And every day we had a a um, discipline to stop at 3 p.m. The sun goes down at six. Not only do you have to get your uh, camp and you know camp routine set up and put the hammocks up, but also the Amerindians have this very very strong belief um, that isn't just a belief, as we found out, that at 3 p.m. on the dot the wildlife comes out to play, comes out to hunt. And so we've been very very sure that we had stopped and cleared the ground away from us um, at 3 p.m. And in this particular time, we were trekking through, we hadn't made much progress, and we were going down quite a steep um, bank, steep slope, and so all the trees, they didn't have much rootage, so everything was falling, there was no good place to put up a hammock, really. So we decided to push on, like, looking at the clock, okay, it's one minute to three, okay, we'll keep going a little bit, maybe we, maybe we can just go and find a better place. And... Um, at 3 p.m., it hits the 3 p.m. exactly, and one of the guys in front puts his puts his hand up, and he says, you can smell a jaguar. And so we had seen jaguars um, a couple of days before, and it wasn't, isn't a problem. It, basically, if you see them, it's not really as a problem. Like um, there's, a, there's a comment that, you know, get out your camera and take a picture. But if you can't see them, then it starts getting a bit frightening because we're in this big undergrowth and you can smell he, this they're around but you can't see them so we're on our um on our on the edge of our seats sort of looking looking around for it I get my machete out ready and we keep going in this undergrowth and then all of a sudden there's this whistle and this whistle goes and it's two I won't do it now but it's a two-tone whistle and it sounds sound something out of horror movies it truly is makes you makes your hairs on the back of your neck stand up and the guys' faces, they all they all pause and they all look at me and look look behind because it's it's coming from just on my right behind me. And their colour completely drains out of their faces and they look shell-shocked. And I'm like, what? What was that whistle? And then one of them goes, Bushmaster. And then a Bushmaster snake is if when I asked the Amerindians initially um, before we left, what was their biggest fear? They all said Bushmaster snakes. Um, Bushmaster snakes are, are lethal. Um, you have to get evacuated very, very quickly if, if one bites. And they're also known as one of the most aggressive snakes. They can chase a galloping horse. They often have known to be chase um, the scent of humans. And they, they curl up. They've, they've been known to curl up under hammocks, getting your warmth and striking at night when you least expect it. So during uh, at night, we spend a lot of our time getting our head torches out and just checking everyone's hammocks for eyes. And we've been doing that through the process. But what I didn't know is that they whistle. Um, and there's very few research to show that they whistle because they only do this when you're in like very, very remote areas. 
And this whistle is like a warning sign as, and the Amerindians say, you know, it knows that you're there and it's coming to hunt you. So it's like, okay, there's a whistle. And then the guy goes, Bushmaster Snake, run. And in, we want to run to get our scent away, but we can't run very fast. One, there's a jaguar ahead, which we don't know where it is. And two, obviously it's such dense, dense jungle. So we start moving faster. My heart is like racing and <laughs> go, 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 like just looking where you're putting your feet as much as you can. And then we hear another whistle just ahead of us. And then we hear another whistle to the side and then we hear another whistle. And we started to, to, to realize that we're surrounded and we're just getting these warning whistles just absolutely everywhere. And there's nothing left to do. The guys don't want to go in front ahead because we're just getting ourselves into a trap and it's getting darker and if you, you know, you're more likely to stand on them. So we make the call to uh, drop our bags and start just uh, getting rid of the, 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 the undergrowth and the bottom so we can just see what's coming for us. And so we stop and we're starting to make camp and then not one, but two guys get stung by a bullet ant. Um, so there's also a bullet ant nest there. Uh, if you don't know what bullet ants are, it, it, they are known that they're often used as a sort of test to become from a boy from a man in tribe tribal um uh challenges and it, it makes you feel like you're on fire where you've been stung give it for, for 24 hours and it also gives you a fever for 24 hours so two guys have just been just been stung by this so with two men down they're having to go and lie down with their their hand in <laughs> in agony and um, meanwhile, we've got these bushmaster snakes going off. We know there's a jaguar around. So we're very, very quickly trying to get fires everywhere. Like we always sleep with fires around because um, fires make uh, the animals sort of stay away as much as possible. This time we slept with three fires. So <laughs> everywhere we could possibly could and just made sure that we, we were going to stay awake um, throughout the whole night. But as the sun went down and those whistles just continued, I can't say it was, um, it really was just something that stayed with me that two-tone whistle I kept hearing it when I came back um but we I mean we we spent spent all night just just being ready and stoking the fire and all doing all of this and nursing the guys and then when the sun came up like it was it was almost like it needed to happen for us to join as a team and to become one as a team um, it had been a it, it had been a very very sketchy scenario and, and you know if things had got worse it would have uh, every, every everything needed to be in place to 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 get make sure nothing terrible happened but it was one of those ones that I I won't forget and I know that these these snakes do whistle and I have recently looked up um, about whistling bushmasters and there's only one scientific paper from the 1990s that talks about it and that's because someone went very very remote away from people um so yeah i am actually going back to the same area ready for, <laughs> ready for more whistling chasing snakes <laughs> well i was, was going to say i mean it obviously hasn't deterred you from uh you know visiting the, the most dense jungle in in guyana um what about then you mentioned obviously um jaguars as well how, how liable are jaguars to attack humans is this uh common in in uh these these parts of the world um they always talk about the kanuki mountains especially having animals that aren't afraid of people at all and there's a lot of myths around these mountains that um 
they even say jaguars sometimes hunt in packs in these mountains and, and act very differently whether that's true or not i'm not sure um the thing is jaguars are most likely to attack if you're on your own and especially if you're near water um which does i mean that's why you never go to the go to get your water or go fishing on your own um the attacks that have happened have either been fishermen on their own or with a dog um or or senile jaguars going into the in the, to the villages taking lively livestock and and kids but it has happened i've definitely looked at case studies where it's happened and they've just come randomly and attack i don't know if you know much about jaguar attacks but they go for the back of the head um and the skull and they they kill their prey instantly so if you're ready they're probably going to come from the back and then drag you out like that mm. um it is rare but it it has happened so you've got to be got to be ready i suppose i uh, yeah i mean jaguars are a scary thing if you don't know they're coming absolutely i think it's really interesting what you talked about um you know the next morning and and feeling bonded with the particular group that you were traveling with i suppose you know there's no shortcut to that level of of bonding or feeling a rapport or, or having a level of trust with people that you are on an expedition with and and often it's you know adversity or risk that kind of creates that bond in the first place you know is that is that something that you've experienced that you sort of need that um that incident in in order to kind of feel okay i feel safe with these people and i i know that they've got my back and i've got their back yeah, I mean, it's definitely a catalyst for it. Um, I think in a normal circumstances, I wouldn't have needed that. But because I wasn't even expecting to take all these other guys that were strangers, um, it was something that helped get that get that bond along. Um, that it was nice to see that everyone acted in a in a in the right way and focused. No one either panicked or did the acted the wrong thing. You never know, and everyone acts differently in that scenario. Whether they're amazing amerindian bushmen or whether they're just the average person you never know never know when it happens and i mean it it must leave you in such awe of um these bushmen the, the fact that they are so knowledgeable about the jungle about it you know the risks that it presents but you know also the opportunities for for food for safety uh, you know if you kind of treat it the right way absolutely no their knowledge it, it's they're they're funny because it's so normal for them so you have to really it's like getting blood out of a stone you have to really say what are you doing there what's what's that and then they'll they're, they're picking something oh i'm actually going to use this to stun the fish so i can pick them up without killing them or i don't know i'm using this because this this will be nice when i'm eating later or something so you really have to just pay attention to what they're doing and ask the questions uh, they don't all speak english either um uh, only a couple of them last time uh, spoke english so but I actually found um, the biggest bond with one of the guys who didn't speak any English at all. It's just it's it's one of those expeditions or one of those places where you just you always see the raw human state and spirit. And that's one of the reasons I just love going with people, um, whether that be your great friends or, you know, indigenous brothers in the in the Amazon. <laughs> Uh, Lucy, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, other than this incident, the, this this expedition last year was, you know, full of absolutely fascinating incidents, both kind of good and bad, I suppose. Um, you know, we will include uh, details uh, for your website and your uh, social media handles where I know you're, you're fairly active so that people can find out more about you. And of course, so they can follow, follow you on your upcoming uh, Guyana expedition, which uh, you said is in three weeks. Is that right? 
yeah in three weeks time and yeah the expedition will be be quite a long one so that's the thing with the jungle you're exposing yourself to more risk the longer you're there but I I'm, I'm looking forward to it I can't wait to to flow and be 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 in the jungle again brilliant well we will be following you keenly to to see how you get on uh, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning to, to have a chat about that incident and, uh, and all the best in three weeks time. Thank you very much. I need it. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And that is about as much as we've got time for this episode. Uh, we will be back very soon with more Tales of Adventure. Uh, if you want to find out when the next episode is out, of course, subscribe. And we would love a like or a positive review on whichever platform you're using. But until then, goodbye.